0: Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage,
1: Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage.
0: Center Stage. Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. By now, you have probably binged-watched all the good stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime and you think there's nothing left on TV. Well, I've got great news for you. Dance Camera West presents the 2020 Virtual Film Festival, streaming until June 1st on Ovid.tv. It's a festival of short dance films from all over the world. We're gonna talk about one of those films from the creative team of Matilda Sakamoto and Derek Belcham. It's called, If I Sound Happy, That's Your Mistake. Matilda and Derek both lived in New York City. And they knew each other's work, but they'd never worked together. And then one night, Derek was at the Ace Hotel and saw Matilda performing a staged version of If I Sound Happy, That's Your Mistake. He loved the piece and approached her about making it into a short film. I loved
1: it. I mean, she was incredible. I guess they cycled it twice, and so I saw Matilda yeah. do it two times. And um, I thought it was really, really beautiful. And we all stuck around and had drinks afterwards, and I. Um, We were both pretty, I think, pretty serious about it in the moment. And um, we just decided to pick a date and then we uh, to start filming. And
0: we just stuck to the date.
2: He was definitely a great initiator on making it happen. Very active. It was perfect.
0: What impressed you most about Matilda's work?
2: Matilda
1: has all kinds of natural charm, that is for sure. And um, she's an incredible dancer. But beyond that, I mean... um, she has so much self-awareness, and she's uh, such a, like, natural clown. And, yeah, I've I've respected her pieces in film before this, and I don't know. Yeah, Matilda's just totally charming.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Who are some of the choreographers that have inspired you?
2: You know, there's a lot of Israeli choreographers right now that I think are Amazing, you know, classic like Ohad and Sharon Ayel. And there's some European choreographers like Marina Mascarelli, Pina Bausch, obviously. Forsyth is a classic. Who else? I don't know. There's a ton. I try not to um, actively think about them while I'm choreographing because I don't want to accidentally like take something like move for move from a choreographer from something that I've seen because I watch them and I admire them so much they're just you know there's influences in my work all the time from different people that I love I just try not to be like this is a this move and this is from them and that's from them so that I'm hopefully not inadvertently like copying them directly
0: Matilda has a chameleon-like quality she changes with each project whether it's playing a nun in a pop star's music video, or rocking out in an Apple AirPod commercial, she brings a freshness and energy to the screen that makes you want to dance.
2: I'm not the most like physically gifted person in the world. Like, I can barely do a cartwheel, and I'm not like turning a million times or anything like that. But the part I think that I've always really connected to with dance and that people connect with me on is the kind of emotional side of it, or like the performance side of it. I don't ever try to think about that I'm putting something on, but just like really feel it from inside and hope that it shows on the outside.
0: When I asked Matilda about her creative process, she told me that she doesn't overthink it. The creativity comes in a form of a feeling, a sensation emanating from her chest.
2: I feel like I second guess myself a lot in life, and I overthink a lot of things. And I don't know, I said earlier, like dance, Physically, it's it's not always the easiest, like I've had to work really hard at it, I think. But creating is one of the things where it's still definitely a process and it's hard. The thing that I think I question myself the least on in like a very liberating way, which makes it very hard to write grants and applications, but um, it's kind of just like the moment where when something is right it's feels right and there's no it's questioning it it feels like a very specific feeling in my chest when I know that something is right it'll be even just like little tiny tweaks until it's there even like with Derek like he made the first edit and then I came over and we tweaked it and a lot of the edits were just tiny little tweaks but then there is that moment where it's like oh yeah this is it you know and it's like a very specific feeling and it's hard to say in words and it's not and it's not coming from an uh, like a brain place I feel like it's coming from a chest place and that's how I try to approach my work because it's the only time I get I allow myself to like not overthink second guess and like feel bad about something
0: If I Sound Happy, That's Your Mistake follows a young woman who feels disconnected from the world around her. She puts vulnerability aside in an attempt to connect with others, but is rejected. In a telling scene from the film, she stands awkwardly in front of several TV monitors displaying her image. She looks nervous, uncomfortable in the moment. She fidgets as she tries to fit in. There's someone watching. A man, but he's unresponsive. He walks away. She grabs her headshots and desperately offers them to him. But he leaves, and she's left alone.
2: This whole piece to me has a feeling of, like, I'm trying to be what I what I think you want me to be, but it doesn't work. Um, and then in general, like, that person to me is, like, I have, like, a character where I just am someone who is trying so hard to, like, be cool, but they can't, so that's why they can't. Sit still they're like constantly shifting to try to be comfortable with themselves and it's just not possible it's kind of like want to be accepted by That's whoever that. is viewing you, you
0: for years Derek Belcham shot music documentaries and videos but when he started working with dancers his perspective of the craft of filmmaking changed and the experience opened him up artistically
1: I filmed um, in music, and I filmed live performance in music, and sort of traveled around the world, and um, worked with a, sort of a film collective, is the side of it that that most resonates, but it's a, a business called La Blogoteque. and they started um, a music documentation style called The Takeaway Show. The Takeaway Shows were started at a time where It was still very important to have a lot of artifice in your music videos and like the sort of shine of things was very important. And so they took bands out into the street and made impromptu improvisational music films. And that informs the way that I made pictures. And so I made sort of one shot, one take documentary um, sort of living film uh, with musicians. But the first time that I filmed with a dancer, it added this brand new sort of point of interest and collaboration. The first one that I made was with a New York dancer named Melanie Marr. We went to Central Park into the gazebo. A man named Kenton guy played basically a Japanese guitar, and Melanie danced. And they had a set piece. But I had never filmed a dancer before, and so the, the gravity of her moving her body and me positioning myself so that the dancer and the musician could be in frame in, you know, interesting ways, that completely changed the way I thought about this kind of, you know, um, as it occurs, improvisational filmmaking.
0: Derek would go on to collaborate with several dancers. One in particular was Emily Turndrip. They worked on a film called Otis Walks Into the Woods. It was a process he would later describe as improvising towards connection.
1: Part of our process was to talk about kind of like theme and do some world building or find, you know, um, a location, something like, you know, the Philip Johnson Glass House where that's set. And um, then go and, you know, um, work with improv. uh, So improvisational filmmaking, improvisational dancing, Um, the choreography kind of playing with the the, uh, innate properties, like props that are at the location. And then basically, you know, um, editing as you go, seeing what's working, and then sort of like trying to move towards a greater whole in the moment that then you know how to get your coverage. And then by the end of the day, you have something in the can. And then you go and then we would sit and basically figure it out in the edit for something like that, because it was a purely improvisational film. With Matilda, it was a a very, very refreshing change for me and it it satisfied something that I had been lacking um, in a lot of the films that I've made over the years because they were in some ways strictly aesthetic pieces. But with Matilda, I saw something like an opportunity to actually engage narrative, um, which is something that is really, can be rare in dance film. Um, it can have the appearance of narrative and have no narrative.
0: Eventually, this idea of narrative film, dance, and music would come together. In Leonard Cohen, the story of Thanks for the Dance.
1: That was a production um, spearheaded by Christoph Abrick, who's the CEO of La That was his passion project. He, he put together everybody involved in that, you know, from Leslie Feist to... Richard Reed Perry, and I mean, so many amazing people were involved in that. And um, I had the opportunity to bring Bobby Jean Smith and Marta Miller on to do um, basically what amounted to sort of this artistic bookend to this production, because the the Cohen record in question was um, uh, his son and he, had been um, working together um, in the last years that Leonard was alive. And they did all of these studio sessions together. And so this last record, which came out last year, um, was all of these beautiful, beautiful vocal takes that his son went out and um, had these mass collaborations with all these different artists to uh, create what became that final final Leonard Cohen record. And so we um, interviewed everyone who was involved and then the dance segment of it basically represented just this, this visual representation of Leonard through time. You know, we had um, Bobby playing, Bobby and Marta basically playing um, lovers of Leonard at different stages of life, remembering him. And so we, you know, put his fedora in the room and rented out this space and yeah they just sort of riffed on the song and um, that became the beginning and the end of uh, this documentary.
0: What would you like an audience to go away with after they see If I Sound Happy That's Your Mistake?
2: I don't want to dictate the way anyone is supposed to feel about it. I hope that people come away after watching it or seeing it that They feel something that they don't let themselves feel in everyday life. They let themselves feel it while they watch it. And then whatever that brings after, you know, I hope it's something good or something they needed to deal with.
1: I want them to fall in love with Matilda.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just a reminder, you can catch If I Sound Happy, That's Your Mistake, streaming until June 1st on Ovid.tv. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage.
1: Center stage, center stage, center,
2: center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homie Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon.